Oh, hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Drag Time with Heclina. We're glad you are back and hope you're well. We have a very, very special guest today. Before I introduce him, let me just say it's so fun bringing you Drag Time, so thank you for listening in. If you really love us, you'll show us by rating us on Apple Podcasts and checking us out on our website, dragtimewithheclina.com. That's where you can find more info about how to support the show, including links to tip Drag Time with Heclina so Mark can... Uh, well, keep the podcast going. Now I want to introduce somebody very special. This is somebody that I uh, fell in love with from afar when I used to go uh, visit New York City. And then I got to know him. And uh, he's always been so gracious to me. Uh, when I used to do Tranny Shack down in Los Angeles, he would always let me stay in his palatial mansion. Um, I'm catching him right now in the middle of the Rona. And uh, I'm, I'm so glad he could join us on Drag Time with Heclina. It is, of course, nightlife impresario mario diaz hi hey heckles how you doing baby good how are you i'm good i love that intro song you're a recording artist now too jesus well you know what that is a that's a song that um that i did like 10 years ago i never released it and then we needed uh we needed a song that we had the rights to basically and that backup singer's got some pipes too that was that was pretty impressive that yeah that's a lot of bootay a lot of bootay i love a lot of bootay (laughs) kind of my specialty she's great how are you doing uh today you you were celebrating nadia's birthday yes our darling nadia ginsburg hilarious comedian impressionist uh it's her birthday today so yeah we had a little a little late lunch with jackie beat and travis it was it was nice i love that gang yeah, so how was the click? You you left out Selena, but she's in Palm Springs Well, now. Selena's, you know, rich white lady in Palm Springs, just like you now. Uh, just, not quite like just me. Just retiring no. in the desert with all the old queens. No, no she's in a trailer park. She's not like <laughs> <Yes>. me. <laughs> oh, but see, for her, it's a mansion. So oh, that's true. That's it's true. It's all relative. Yeah, that's true. Um, she's a little person, in case y'all don't know who Selena Luna is, but she is the... She's a goddess, a glamour goddess, also a comedian. And um, no, the gang is good. I mean, I'm I'm so grateful to have such wonderful friends. So yeah, everything's good on our end. So uh, you know, just I mean, Jackie to- Beat is still an asshole, but yeah. Trust me, that, trust good. me. I spoke to Jackie Beat. She is an asshole. I, <laughs> I, I spoke to her to earlier today. Oh, I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I had to get it out of the way. <laughs> um, so I, I have to. I have to do a little bit of backstory because the the, uh, the podcast is called Drag Time with Heclina. A lot of people are wondering, Heclina, why are you speaking to a dude? Yeah, what well, the hell uh, is Mario doing on Drag Time? <laughs> Mario, have you had any other um, I have. cisgendered men? Oh, okay, I'm not. Yes, uh, John, I think John Cameron Mitchell, and we also had a pop star from Iceland, and right, uh, right. You know, anyway, but I, I wanted to give you, you know, Mario has some major, major drag cred. He, um, he has, you know. We could not do drag without our boys, you know, and uh, Mario has been in so many productions with his girls, um, right. a, a lot of theater couture shows. I mean, um, I was essentially raised by a pack of feral drag queens, so it's it's in my blood. Yes, exactly. And Mario is the only guy I've ever had to tell, oh, I've ever had to not tell, hey, please be careful with my wig. <laughs> uh, Mario understands that intrinsically. Um, but so I, I wanted to, I guess, because I don't want to, you know, this podcast was started back in February, like 10 minutes to coronavirus, basically. Wow. So I don't want to, I, I, I've, I've been asking everybody, what are you doing during quarantine? I'm right. sick. I'm sick of the question. So I get instead it. Of, 
Instead of asking you that, I want to find out who is Mario Diaz. Who is Mario Diaz? Wow, that's so, quite a question. Where did you come from, Mario Diaz? Well, um, I'm come from a family of first generation Colombian immigrants. My father came from Colombia, Sur America. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was like 19 years old with 50 bucks in his pocket, and he had the balls to just come out here and make a life for all of us. I'm so blessed that my dad made that move because I can't imagine what my life would have been like otherwise. Anyways, yeah, he had like eight siblings and he brought the whole family out and he's a pretty impressive man. So yeah, I got to grow up in the United States. Um, and and pretty lived. early on, pretty early on, you started doing, you, you were performing at an early age. You were a, a roller skater or an ice skater? Which oh one? yeah. When I was a kid, you know, I did all the dancing and I was a theater queen. You know, when you're, when you're queer in school, you're either in the drama club or you're goth, uh, new wave. So I was a little bit of everything, but so, yeah, um, yeah, I've been performing since I was, uh, you know, school days. I think yeah. that's kind of what, like, you know, the first time you, you know, you're able to get a reaction from people like that. You're like, wow, you know, right, you affected right. some emotion. And I just remember all the the little ladies when I did my play and I got to sing uh, my song in Spanish and all the moms and aunts were like, oh, Mario, that was so beautiful. And I made them cry. And I was like, wow. Whoa. So I've been, I've been performing ever since. So I've, you know, I've, I've been, I've been to your pad, like I talked about, you know, and I've seen photos of you, uh, is, is roller skating, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did a lot of roller skating. I used to compete. (laughs) I I mean, I've got medals. I was good. I was kicking ass. I was like a little Tanya Harding queen. I was working on double sow cows. You know, I was in that moment where I was actually training before and after school, that kind of thing. I was pretty serious about it. I remember being all up in arms at roller skating wasn't an Olympic sport. Like that was one of my political platforms when I was like 11 years old. Right, right. So I was pretty heavy into it. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I think that's another kind of a, you know, sort of a, a gateway to, to your get to the gay lifestyle is, you know, the roller rink was literally my disco. That was my first nightclub was, was the, the, the skating rink, you know? the music and the lights and we were all there dancing on wheels and had friends from like my age to like teenage like high schoolers so I had like a a really broad you know diverse group of friends and yeah it was like a lifestyle thing being a roller rat my early uh clubs and how did you get from that to being because I've also seen pictures of you super goth yeah well it happened pretty fast uh-huh. Um, I mean, I ran away from home like the day before my 16th birthday and it was, yeah, there were things were weird at home, you know, being a queer kid and having a, a very machismo Colombian father didn't quite understand it. So there was that kind of friction, but also honestly, I feel like I, I more was running towards fun and like my, you know, our chosen family, which we all sort of know as queer people we tend to, we get, we have the luxury of choosing our own family. And so, you know, I just was running towards the fun. I, I actually left home so I could go party in the streets of Seattle with all my friends. And it was, it really was like a great time. I still managed to do very well in high school, you know, even when I was living on the streets for a spell, you know? Mm-hmm. So how did you, um, you know what, you know what is so interesting? Why as, as, as your friend, have I never asked you any of these questions? Oh, because you're very self-absorbed. And you I, always, I, think, I think maybe I am. I think maybe I am. Yourself. 
<laughs> I think that might be something to that. Listen, I've known you for, I'm I'm for like 20 it. years. I've never asked you any of this stuff. I'm so, only attracted to people that are entirely self-absorbed. Oh, good, good, good. Um, so how did you get from, because I've heard stories like, you know, you at New Government here in San Francisco. Right, and, right. And everything. Now, how did you get from, uh, you know, a, a runaway kid in Seattle, a goth kid, to the the boy like running all the the best boy parties in new york city and basically basically ruling the east village and well it was a moment we had a moment in the 90s for sure um i look at it like a renaissance of the east village when i got out there Mm -hmm. so it was uh you know being in seattle being a teenager and then you're you know we used to read the old interview magazine back when it was like black and white it was almost like a zine you know Right. And it had all of these stories about New York underground and subversive art scene and fashion. And and I just remember reading a few pieces on like the leather, like 70s leather, New York City. And I don't know, it just was always the fantasy. I was going to end up in New York City and I was going to find my tribe and I was it was going to be like sexually sexual liberation, you know. So, um, yeah, after high school, I just got my shit together. Well, I started throwing parties in Seattle when I was in high school. I was, I started throwing parties, started throwing raves. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, I mean, I, I think I'm kind of considered one who brought like the club scene and the rave scene kind of fused those together. That's kind of what my raves maybe were, uh, sort of known for at that time. Mm-hmm. And also it was very visual and really wanted to create like really exciting, you know, environments. I mean, the first time I threw a party, I was in school. I mean, listen, our lives are very parallel, you and I, except for I don't really dress as much as a clown as you do. But <laughs> we've pretty much done the same shit. Um, but yeah, I just remember seeing what was going on in Seattle. I was really into the nightlife scene and just thinking, God, you know, I'm not really that inspired by what's going on. I always thought, oh, I could do something better than this. So I did a party called Mario's Beer Bath. And I just pulled out all the stops and had every you know, kooky idea in my head. I, I, I had this like drag queen fortune teller who would just talk all sorts of shit. And I did body painted go-go dancers and had all my friends doing like pop-up performances throughout the club. And, you know, I just got really creative. I had these little peachy puff girls that were doing these little candy grams. The idea is what, like, if you saw some dude, you thought you were cute you thought was cute, you'd, you'd tell the girls to write, you'd write a little note, like a little love letter, letter like, hey, uh, you know, I like your ass or whatever. And then she would anonymously give people like, you know, these little notes. So it was, I always had this sort of knack for uh, like coming up with fun, interactive um, themes and ideas for parties. Because to me, that's kind of the fun of it is right. getting to like come up with a fun name and coming up with some kind of creative little shtick. And so uh and then I realized how much fucking money I could make doing that. I couldn't believe the the wad of cash I took home that night. Hello. I never made that much money in one night. I was like, oh, shit. I, I was bit by the bug. And I've one, been producing yeah. parties ever since. One thing I've noticed about you is that you have an amazing uh, focus and attention to detail. And one thing that I... Some people- might call that anal retentive a- anal retentive <laughs> type a personality yeah. the one thing for me is i i have a hard time going to other drag shows because all i can stand back and do is critique yeah and and, and think oh my god that's that lighting is so awful and this, i know uh, blah, blah, blah. I so know. I, so uh you know 
don't you look around sometimes when you go to clubs and go, oh my God, people aren't even trying. Oh, all the time. It's, yeah. it's also the, the such subtle nuances that you just don't notice unless you care and you have the awareness that I do. It's like even the most simple adjustments in lighting can make such a huge difference. And you don't really see it. Like nobody would really notice it. But if you're coming from the perspective that I'm coming from, you can feel the energy shift in the room. Like if there's no movement of lighting in the room or if it's too bright or, you know, like if I'm on a shoot, I have to literally bite my tongue not to chime in when it's not my place to do so. You know, that's why Jackie always likes to bring me on shoots with her because she knows I'm going to make sure she's lit right, that there's not a hair out of place. So she, uh, it's, you know, I am pretty good to have around when it comes to, uh, if you ever need a shoot. I remember we were doing She Devil, and you, you were like standing back, going like, "Oh my god, this choreographer! Oh my god!" Like <laughs> no, you, and you weren't really biting your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Who am I, I uh, kidding? I don't I, fucking I, bite I, my I, tongue. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, you had the boy parties on lockdown in uh, New York City. Um, I, I those. I mean, I kind of missed it, sort of. I was there for a little bit of it squeeze box and but but by the time I went to the cock I think you were no longer involved in it so right right you left yeah, I moved yeah. to New York and I just uh-huh. remember thinking that this the homogenization the gentrification was already really kind of going strong Giuliani was really pushing his you know efforts and he had his quality of life campaign going so he was essentially squashing all of these you know these businesses that he didn't care for, you know, the adult theme businesses, the queer businesses, the POC businesses, you know, he was trying to quote unquote, clean up New York city, but this quality was not the quality that I was looking for. And it certainly wasn't the life that I was leading, you know? Right. So he was not taking care of my people, my peers. I do remember, I I do remember trying to go to some, some clubs like mm -hmm. Foxy or whatever. And I would, I would get there and every, everybody would be on the street because it it (laughs) didn't close down or something. I mean, yeah, I found the right partner. I mean, first of all, I, when the first party I did was at a a place called cake. And at that point, all like the back rooms had shut down and, and it, they had just shut down. Like it wasn't that long. There was already amazing things happening. Squeeze box, like you said, Jackie 60, you know, the whole mother crowd. There was some really inspired things, rock and roll, fag bar, Dean Johnson, all of that. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I have so many people that, you know, inspired me uh, and influenced what I did. But then I started throwing parties in East Village and uh, working on Hustler with Mistress Formica was one of the was the first one we did. Right. And we brought back the back room. So we're sort of known for like bringing back the back room and really kind of bringing sleaze and edge back to the East Village. And I think that's what the cock was. The cock was this sort of experiment that was in direct response to Giuliani and his quality of life bullshit. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to open up the wildest loudest raunchiest in your face you know sex positive queer bar that i can and really just say fuck you to him and and his whole agenda and uh and it worked i mean it from the day i opened that bar and i was promoting seven nights a week i booked i and curated the entire thing created the name and the logo and that little neon rooster. Like it was all my inception, even, you know, got my friends together and we painted the inside of this little dive bar that had white drywall, had nothing going on and um, just created this really infamous, amazing place. I mean, our years at the cock in the beginning were 
fucking amazing <laughs> what right. i can remember of them and so. and what about going back to new york now it's uh i mean i it's I, I mean, I guess it's kind of like for people who've not been to San Francisco for a while. It's it's right. really it's really I mean, you know it's really difficult to try and be right. I mean, everything well, is constantly changing, right? You can't, uh-huh. and also you, I hate judging a city. There's always been that sort of West, like New York, LA sort of you know animosity, and New Yorkers love to badmouth LA, and you know I mean I'm not saying I haven't participated in that game, but it's I think it's ridiculous to judge an entire city. There's so much that it has to offer. New York will always be the greatest city in the world, you know, from my perspective. But I must say that when I go back there now, I just don't feel connected to it. Like I I was such a New Yorker at heart. Right. But now I go back and I feel disconnected. I tried really, really hard to be inspired and find things that were exciting to me. And it just wasn't happening, you know? Why did you leave New York and and move to L.A.? um, It was, you know, a a few reasons. I think the weather, I knew I wanted to be in the sun. I think there was a part of me that always knew I'd end up in L.A. because acting has always been one of my great interests. I've always wanted to perform and you know the dream was move to LA and you know get on TV and buy a house and and also I had some really dear friends like Jackie that had moved out here and she was such a a wonderful collaborator you know a great uh person to have on my team so you know there's a lot of reasons but yeah I came and did what I you know set out to do it's been the the greatest move I'm so glad I just think it's important to move forward you always want to continue moving forward I feel like if you ever feel like you're stuck for whatever reason listen life is about change it's going to change for you and to you and sometimes you have to make the change it was fucking hard leaving the cock I was making hand over fist I had a really sweet situation Mm -hmm. but my then partner who was meant to be a silent partner the straight dude and you know, kind of trouble. I always knew it had a shelf life. And uh, so it got to the point where, you know, things weren't going very smoothly between us. I was like, you know, I'm either going to close down the cock and battle this man. I mean, and I could have done that. But here's the thing. I brought everybody into that bar. Like I, I, I cast, I mean, hired every single person that worked there and everyone that performed there, they were all my friends and my family. So I thought, I'm not going to ruin this for everybody and, you know, fight this guy for my my bar. So I just decided to walk away, Yeah, moved to LA and uh, it was the best thing I ever did. Well, you know, San Francisco in a way has always been kind of like a little New York and I, uh, I'm, I'm going through the same, I am making a huge change. I'm leaving. And, and you know what people are like, you know, there's a few drag queens that represent San Francisco, me, Peaches Christ, Juanita Moore. Yeah. Um, and, and people are like, what, you're leaving San Francisco. So yeah, it is kind of, deal. it is kind of uh, like, but I'm like, yeah, it's just, you know, you're, you're right. You, you have to change. And I, I can't stay in San Francisco to keep them happy. No, um, no. you got to do it yourself. And you know what? You just never want to feel stuck, you know? And right. sometimes it's just, you can't even wrap your head around the reasons why, but it's there's changes invigorating, you know, yeah. it, it always breeds some kind of new energy into your life and new opportunities. So, I mean, I'm very excited for you and proud of you. You worked so hard. I mean, you did so much. I'm so grateful. San Francisco has always been my favorite fucking city to visit. I've been there so many times and never did I miss a tranny shack when I was there. That was 
my San, favorite party. Oh well, my San Fran- yeah, San Francisco has been very, very good to me. Uh, um, so you moved to, yeah, so let's talk about this. So now you, you just shit on her and <laughs> you just well, left Darcy with a well, pandemic club. And- you know, Darcy wants all of that stress. And you know what? She can have it all. She I mean, loves, she thrives on that stuff. She can do yeah. a lot. She's yeah, impressive. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I hey, uh, up until March of this past year, uh, uh, of this year, I was, you know, I was gung-ho. All my work was, I don't need to tell you, all, all my work was like, my year was all planned out. Yeah. And, and then and then, li- and then life had other plans. Oh, my goodness. It's so, such a, um, like, who could have imagined this crazy psycho sci-fi movie that we're living in i know and we really listen it's always important to acknowledge the people that are really suffering and struggling i mean step one let's just survive this situation like literally that's our first goal because a lot of people are not so lucky i mean that analogy you know same storm different boat really really resonates it's so true everybody's in their own scenario and we have to acknowledge how hard our community has been hit i mean if you work in nightlife, our job is literally squeezing hundreds of people together in small spaces. I mean, I was fucking afraid to go to my parties before pandemic, like right. taking fr- friggin' antibiotics on my way to work every week. Right. Like, like you're, you're, you're trying to get hundreds of people into a poorly ventilated exactly. like, sweat box. And that's yeah. how you know you're doing well is when you're like shoulder to shoulder and saliva is like flying in your face. Like, OK, we're doing great. This is a great night. Yeah. If, if it's I mean, like I, I talked to uh, I was talking to Stanley and and, uh, and uh, Tom about daytime realness. I'm like, mm-hmm. that party is like a thousand people on the patio at El Rio. And I mean, it, it's just not going to look it's not going to feel the same with 200 people there. But whatever. right. No, it's just not. And, you know, everybody's <laughs> been everybody's been kind of in the solution since this lockdown started giving me suggestions about the pivot. No, you should do a big fat dick online or you should do, you know, do the contest like this or, you you know, these kinds of shows. And I've been watching the virtual space and seeing how it all plays out as yeah. been playing out, but it's just not, I just don't want to do it right now. You know, like I don't see what I do as no. a Zoom party, you know, no, it's, no, it's, it's challenging enough for all the drag queens, you know, so, right. uh, but, I, mean, but I, but, I, I really feel for the DJs and stuff like that because it's even more challenging. Exactly. And I think that's something that's really important that we acknowledge. There's, there's a whole slew of people that are not the drag queens that you're familiar with, the entertainers. And a lot of the, a lot of you girls are still performing and still going virtual and able to pivot in a way. And I'm not saying it's easy by any means, but you are giving us a lot of entertainment right now. Um, which is great, but we have to remember the go-go dancers and the barbacks and the, you know, the door people and, you know, the, there's just the other promoters and DJs and so much of our community that was genuinely living tip to tip, you know, a couple hundred bucks here, a couple hundred bucks there to pay their bills. So, and they can't even pivot and do sex work. I mean, not not everyone can, you know, I'm like, just go find some things from around the house and stick them up your ass. You'll be fine. You know, let me, let me ask you, your friend, let me ask you, Mario, don't lie. (laughs) How many times have you broken quarantine for Dick? Um, no lie. I'm being completely honest. Here's the deal. Let me preface it with this. I've been such a whore for so long uh-huh. that I acknowledge like 
I can I can take a year off and I'll be okay. Uh-huh. I, mean, I mean, I masturbate from like seven to twenty <laughs> times a day, so it's pretty much like the moment the urge comes, I just rub it out and just uh-huh. let it w- fly out the window. But right, no, right, I think right. it's been probably about four times. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: I have very strict rules, and it's literally like side gates open. Don't touch any surfaces. I'm not going to kiss you. You're going to go down on me. I'll, draw, I'll drop a load and you're leaving. <laughs> okay. Which is yeah. fine. It's not that much different than my normal. Uh... Well, right before you joined, the, I was having a conversation with Mark. Hi, Mark. Are you still there? Oh, yeah. I'm still yeah. here. Right Hi, before, yeah, uh, right before you, you hopped on the line and we started the podcast, we were talking about how the, there's this phenomenon now of people building glory holes in their houses. Yeah, yeah. Um, because glory holes were deemed safe, but you cannot go to a dirty bookstore to do a glory hole because right. that, that is like you're basically, I mean. I mean, I make, find that a little bit interesting, the glory hole thing, because, you know, I haven't sucked a dick since this started. I just feel like if I'm going to suck a dick, I might as well kiss a guy because I imagine their saliva's on their penis from jerking off. So, so I'm not even, I'm like, I'm uncomfortable with even that. I haven't even oh. done that. I, oh, wow. I, haven't kissed, I haven't kissed or suck a dick, wow. suck a dick since this whole thing started. Mark, uh, Mark, what do you think? I kind of disagree. I, I think sucking a dick is much more, much safer than kissing. Of course. You uh, do. I don't, I don't have the real science on that, but I think you <laughs> want to believe that that's true. <laughs> you believe and, it? Yeah. You believe it enough. And and safest of all is eating an ass. I'm sure. Of course, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. I think there actually is some data on that. That uh, that there's there's definitely data on that. There's been studies on that aspect of it, so to speak. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So we know for sure that there's you know various things are more risky than others. But what what the advice that's coming down from you know Fauci is like people are going to have sex. You know, so like right. try try to make a sex pod if you can, and then. Yeah. Maybe you can try to know as much as possible about what the other person you're doing it with does, like on a on a like consent and disclosure level, because that's probably the best you're going to get if you want to have sex with people who well, are in the household. Mario has his pod. You have Jackie and Sherry as your I've got Jackie. And sure, Sherry seems like, like it. Pod, so I will never, <laughs> I will never have sex again. <laughs> you're totally safe. <laughs> <laughs> I was so proud of Jackie because, and we talked about this on her podcast with me. You know, she she discovered Badu, and oh she my was God. she no. she was she was getting dick finally. Catalina, you have no idea. Like I, when I found heard about this, that she finally, you know, mm-hmm. popped that cherry. I it brought me to tears, and I'm yeah. not even being funny here. No, I was, no, yeah, I, mean, I just she really just had sort of accepted a life with no human contact in that way, no intimacy, and and I've been you know egging her for years. I'm like, girl, just you know, just set the rule, the guidelines. Just tell the guy to sit on the sofa, and you're going to go in and don't touch my wig, and I'm going to blow you. But you know, it just took her years, years. But now she's a total whore, just like yeah. Sherry. Go well, God, just like just like me and Bunny. I mean. <laughs> I turned Bunny onto Craigslist way back in the day. I'm, I'm sure you heard this story. Oh, I told no, you I'm this. Afraid. I told you this. I told Bunny this story. And, um, you know, I was giving, I told Jackie this. I, I was giving somebody a blowjob here in my San Francisco apartment okay. off, of, off of Craigslist. And the guy looks down at me and he goes, Bunny? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, did you throw yes. him out the window? No, but I was like, excuse me. <laughs> and um, but but you know, I turned Bunny onto Craigslist. Oh, that's and, a, that's um, amazing. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I'm responsible for a huge outbreak of something in New York. But, right. I mean, listen, um, there was one guy that I hooked up with here, and I did break my you know my quarantine rule, and it was just so hot, and I missed. I have just, you know, it was the kissing. I miss kissing so much. And I just thought to myself, you know what? Fuck it. And I did it. I just had the best kissing with him was so lovely. It felt so great. And at the time it was so amazing. But then afterwards, man, I just felt like shit about it. I was just like, great. Now I'm going to be gasping for air and like put 14 days on the calendar. Bed, right. <laughs> well, I in a hospital bed because I needed like to make out with some dude. Like I'm going to be so mad at myself. So well, hopefully, hopefully you made squeaky go get tested. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it was squeaky, right? <laughs> oh, I miss squeaky. Listen, right. I've, I've crossed swords with squeaky a couple times. So oh, I'm, I'm sure. Not, I'm sure. Um, so yes, you. So we're still talking about Mario. We're getting off Dick for a second. So Wait, you are you are an, what, yeah. I'm sorry. We're we're gonna. Pivot. What else we're, is there to talk about? I'm we're sure. gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about now. Okay, so L.A. You're you're auditioning for stuff all the time. You're used to rejection. God knows you're used to rejection. <laughs> but 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 you do have a lot of credits. You got a credits for La La Land, American Horror Story, Fresh Off the Boat, Raising Hope, Anger Management, Two Broke Girls. Uh, I saw you in Feud. That scene was Susan. Oh Sarah well, you know I got my yeah. lines were cut out of that. And then we did this really great improv, improv riff. Me and Susan Sarandon. I was really excited about it. But the moment I was watching the scene play out, I mean the show, and I saw my scene coming. Yeah. And this is why you don't tell people, oh, I booked this job until afterwards because you never know if you're going to make it to the cut. And I, before it even came, I was like, oh, they're going to cut. They're going to cut mm-hmm. my lines. I remember we saying were, that. I think yeah. Jackie. And she was like, oh, really? And then sure enough, I could just tell by the pacing, you know, you can and what drives the story, you know. Remember you and I were at the we were at the premiere together at Grommets. Oh, yeah. That Wasn't was cool. that? What that? But that was just like one episode, right? Yeah, that was, that was the like first the first episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the, one of my favorite things with you with you is the breath mint commercial. What was that? What that was, was a Listerine pocket packs. Yeah, oh, that was so. That was that, that was so cute. That one commercial, and I've done thirty like thirty national commercials since I started acting. That one commercial paid me more than all of the other commercials put together. That baby literally bought my house in Silver Lake. I swear well, to God. Yeah, you saw it all the time. It was just, it kept running and it was just, it was like, you know, scale and a half. And it was just one of those great contracts, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I was very, very lucky and, and happy about that gig. I had no lines, but I was, uh, listen, I play the schmarmy guy. If, if I get booked nine out of 10 times, I'm a sleazeball or some kind of a schmarmy character. I guess that's my... My, uh, you know, my typecast, which I think if you're an actor to have a typecast, you know, to have a type is a is a very good thing, you know, because uh, it gives you an option. It gives you a moment. Um, so I'm on a plane. I'm falling asleep and I fall asleep on this sweet, innocent lady's shoulder and my mouth is open and I'm the dude with bad breath. <laughs> But she essentially essentially puts a Listerine pocket pack pack in my mouth while I'm sleeping. And, uh, you know, I just wake up refreshed and give her, you know, a charming smile as I do. Mm -hmm. It was very cute. Very, very, very charming. Very charming. Thank you, darling. 
Um, all right. So, uh, you know, I, I said I was going to talk about the Rona, but I, I'm going to talk about you've been working on a lot of parody stuff with Jackie, with with your pod, with your, um, you know, quarantine. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Your pod. Our yeah. hive or our your pod. Hive. Yeah, or, your pod. Yeah, there's a few different names for it. Yeah. So, so I live here in this beautiful house in Burbank with Sherry Vine. And, you know, Sherry and Jackie and I worked a lot together in the 90s in New York City with the, the theater, our theater company, Theater Couture. So, you know, we, like I said, we were, we've been paralleling the, your life in San Francisco. Like while you were doing all your crazy drag shows in San Fran, we were doing them in New York City, you know, and now LA, San Francisco. So, you know, these, I've been, you know, performing with these clowns for, for years. So I, I, you know, I'm essentially like the drag king of the group, right? I play all the male, char- the male characters and I can, you know, ham it up and I know how to, keep up with the drag queens you know and that's what i mean about like you know like you are one of those great drag guys who you know drag queens need their guys around them you know and 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 it's great you have to have a good head on your shoulder if you're the drag guy because the drag queens kind of are always going to get the 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 attention so you got to work you got to push a little harder and you got to give the piece a little bit of sort of you got to temper it with with something interesting but essentially you have to fit the tone of Mm -hmm. you know the camp that we're doing you know right right so if i can be campy but still bring heart or bring bring truth as an actor i know that sounds kind of ridiculous considering the kind of work we do but it really grounds the piece right and it just makes it better and uh listen for me, acting a fool on stage with my friends, like we've been doing our whole lives, there's nothing like it. I mean, give me a great job, like a commercial job, and I'll make the money. But nothing brings me more joy than acting like an asshole with my best friends in a little theater somewhere, you know? That is really the sweet spot for me. I mean, that's my favorite thing. And that's why I took a break from commercials. I, I didn't audition for like three years because. I just was like, I want to get back to what I love doing. You know, the grind of being an actor in Hollywood, it's it's tough. You know, right. like you said, the rejection game, it's it's not a joke. I mean, I'm driving around town three or four auditions a week. You're driving like an hour, hour and a half waiting around. You jump through hoops for three minutes being ignored by the casting directors. <laughs> you know, this is a cliche. It's not always that way. There's so many wonderful people in the business. And then, you know, 99% of the time you don't book the job, right? Right. So, it really is. Um, it's a it's a commitment game, you know. And I was getting these auditions, and instead of being like, "Oh yes, I've got this great opportunity," I'd be like, "Oh fuck, I got to go drive to Santa Monica today," you know. Right. And that's not the attitude I want to have. So, took a well, little break, and now I'm when I audition now, it feels I feel so grateful to have them, you know. I think people have to remember that because there's such like there was this there was this kerfuffle recently where there was this online drag show and and every queen in um San Francisco every young you know upstart queen right. su- submitted for this festival and they they didn't all get accepted and they were all posting online I didn't get accepted so they've never had this experience mm-hmm. of of being rejected and there's an entitlement if I apply I I better be accepted right so, Somewhere along the line, nobody told these kids like, 
there's there's going to be disappointments. Oh, and, yeah. I know, mean, I would and, never wish being an entertainer or an artist on anyone, you know? Right. And many people look at, like, you know, the TV work I've done or whatever, and they're like, oh, you know, I want to do that. I think I could do that, you know? And you're like, yeah, that'd be great, you know? It's But this isn't something you do on a whim. This is something that you want to do your whole life and that you study and you work at. And the moment they get in front of that camera to audition for the first time, they literally forget how to walk. <laughs> they're like, right, right. Yeah, they're exactly. like, I don't even know how to speak all of a sudden. It, you know, right, right. Um, it's it's it, in theory, if you can make it look easy, then you're doing your job, right? You know, right. Like the goal is to make the it look easy, yeah. the easier something looks. Uh, that's why, like, um, you know, when I'm when I'm doing the show, if, if everything looks easy, so much work has gone into it behind the scenes. Exactly. That means Whereas, you're doing your yeah. job. If, if it's a huge train wreck, you just know that no thought, no rehearsal, no, right. no you know what I mean? And well, also, right. who wants to be an audience member that like feels like being an audience member is work? Right. Like you don't want to be uncomfortable as an audience member, you know? So it's so important that whoever's on that stage is comfortable and is having a good time, you know, because that will just, you know, reflect onto the audience, you know? And it's like, yeah, and it's, and it's, it's right what you said about there, you know, there's nothing for me as fun as performing with other people who are hams. And that, and that includes this digital stuff. You know, when this, when all this started, I was doing, you know, uh, solo shows on the, uh, you know, drag festival circuit or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, and it was so limiting. And then once I, once I started doing the shows with another person in the show, you know, that was immediately you feed off that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's part of why this, this quarantine has been, you know, difficult in so many ways is because we've, we've lost our audience, you know, on, in one way we were like, we were able to reach a global audience, but in another way, just to have that sort of kinetic energy, that, that person to person experience. I mean, that is really what I thrive off of as a party promoter, producer, and as an entertainer, you know? Well, right now you're, yeah, you're, you're living with a huge ham though. Right <laughs> Listen, now. Sherry Vine's a ham, but she is a workhorse. She, uh, oh my God. I I'm know, telling crazy. you every day she's working out every day. She's writing music. She's pre- rehearsing all the time. She's constantly working. It's really uh, been a good, uh, you know, hive partner to have, you know, if I was with like my ex or something, I'd probably be like 50 pounds heavier, high on drugs right now, watching TV, <laughs> which wouldn't which, be the worst thing. But God, which, which ex? <laughs> oh my God. Not naming any names. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to even register this story, but just that your birthday, that one year. Oh when, my God. When your, when your ex gave you that, that <laughs> photo album. Uh, but no one's going to know this story, so I'm not going to tell it. But I There's mean, no point. I mean, it was no it was very complex. Like, it's very it's a very complex story. So was. let's let's shift back to Sherry Vine. Now that was a big that was a shock when she left New York because she she was so identified with New York yeah. City. Yeah, her leaving New York was a big big shift. I, I I was very surprised. I mean, you know, Jackie and I have been trying to get her out here for quite some time. And we know what a nice change of pace and energy and sunshine it is to live in L.A. after New York, because New York will take it out of you. It kicks your ass after a while, you know. Oh, sure. Yeah. Something about taking a deep breath in L.A. and also the entertainment industry and the sun and just so much. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we got Sherry out here. And um, but then quite soon after, first thing, she was here and she was never home. She was traveling the world, constantly touring with like Bianca or on gay cruises. So. Um, you know, she really is a go-getter and she's such a talented, hilarious, uh, queen. And, uh, it's been really, we've really bonded, you know, obviously when you're stuck in lockdown with somebody for, you know, 
15 years. How, is that how long it's been? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You really get to know each other. So we have our, like at sundown, we have our wine time and we watch our stories and yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, so what, when I first started, um, doing tranny shack and doing drag professionally, I really did look up. The- you do drag professionally. Shut up. <laughs> You've been paid for that. <laughs> Hey, I'm moving to my house in Palm Springs. I thought this was pro bono. No, you're a rich, retired white lady now. No, but I, I, but my point was that I, um, I really looked up to the New York drag queens because they had an amazing work ethic. Yes, and I I never subscribed to the kind of laid back San Francisco thing. No, well, yeah, it's like you show up. On time, if if I can get in drag and be there on time, the DJ can, everybody right. else can. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, the New York so, queens were a special breed. There's something about New York at that time, and maybe always, that it really did sort of draw a certain type of queen and certain type of uh, entertainer. Um, all the girls in New York had their own specific skill set, whether they were singers or comedians or you know, whatever their performance style was, their genre was, they really, they really blossom as that. I mean, think about all the New York girls, you know, they're all so powerful and unique and legendary in their I'm own think, right. I'm thinking, but what skill set did Hedda Lettuce have? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm teasing. I, I'm teasing. I, was not a big Hedda follower <laughs> back yeah. in the day. I was in my yeah. own, I had my own oh, group yeah. going. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But um, since then, since my recent trips to Mexico and seeing yeah. Hedda out there, she really impressed the hell out of me. I'm like, wow, she she knows how to work an audience. And she's really, um, her. she's gotten really, really talented. I don't, I mean, I'm not quite sure what she was like back in the day. Um, but now I think she's very impressive as an entertainer. Yeah. I'm I'm just teasing. I've always enjoyed her too. No, you um, hate Hedda Lettuce, and I'll make sure she knows that. Um, <laughs> oh, she already knows it. Um, <laughs> but no, well, the San Francisco girls had their yeah. own um, style, and y- you guys kind of bred this high concept monster drag. You know, I think of like like you kind of like what you guys were doing, kind of inspired like the Dragula scene and kind of what's happening with that sort of freak monster drag vibe um to me that's very san francisco uh a more inclusive uh it was always very mixed in san francisco you guys really did sort of hang on to that sort of 60s hippie trip that was going on back in the day like i feel like there was always this sort of different energy about san francisco and that's why i loved it so much the faux queen scene was really big there like that really wasn't happening anywhere else what you guys were doing wasn't happening in other parts of the world i feel like yeah i feel like the only the big difference though is san francisco is very suspicious of ambition and drive yes and um and you're supposed to there's some kind of weird manifesto that says you're not supposed to if you become successful you know, that's a bad thing. Right. And, it's like and, you sold out. And like, we've been accused of being like Hollywood sellouts because, right. you know, but what are we supposed to, what are you supposed to do? You know, like that's one of the things I love about LA is that people are actually getting paid for their creativity. Like this is the hub of the industry, right? This is where, and we're talking all sorts of interesting, subversive people from New York City that are here running Hollywood right now. You know, we're right. not talking about just, you know, some vapid, uninteresting, you know, group of people. There's a lot of really powerful, creative minds 
that are working here in Los Angeles. You know, no, totally. And, and, and you know, yeah. And I want, you know, listen. Care. Even back in the '90s in New York, we weren't doing it for the money. We really weren't. It wasn't like it wasn't a money thing. It was like let's express ourselves. It wasn't about showing off because we didn't have cell phones. This was pre-social media. We would get dressed up for each other. I mean, we did it for the experience, for the fun of it. You know. And if we made money, great, you know? Well, that that is fine for a while. Right. But then, but then you know, like the, the whole thing in San Francisco is, uh, can you come in and uh, perform at, at my fundraiser? And I'm like, sure, what's the pay? Well, it's a fundraiser. And I'm like, oh, okay, is the DJ doing it for free? Uh, is the caterer doing it for yeah, free? Right. You know, that that's the whole thing. Like there's this, there's this thing in San Francisco. If it's for charity, that means the drag queen should be doing it for free. Yeah, you know, this, and, and I don't know. Just, yeah, somehow making money is frowned upon is is kind of a ridiculous. Right. I mean, I get the struggling artist, you know, sort of it's the term is is there for a reason, but at some point, you know, you have to acknowledge listen, I have great compassion for this struggling artists that I know in New York City that are still struggling. And these are people that created aesthetics and came up with concepts that have been taken to the mainstream. These are like the real idea people, you know, right. that I'm thinking like, wow, like the way you've influenced my life as an artist, and yet you can't even pay your rent right now. Like, there's just a great injustice when it comes to, you know, the economic aspect of everything in the world, you know. There's just a lot of unfairness. There are people that deserve so much that have so little. And and there are, you know, vapid, you know, people that pilfer and do reductive, you know, interpretations that are making millions, you know. Like so me. No, just <laughs> uh, and, and then there are people that we both know who have so much talent, but they're their own worst enemy. Oh, and sure. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But let's, let's not go down that road. Okay. Um, we will not we- bring up Jackie Beat again. And we will not bring up Jer Bear Jones. Oh, um, Jer <laughs> oh, Bear. Let's 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 not bring that up. Okay, so we're about at the end. We're about at the end of our podcast. So mm. I have not I've not asked you the most important question. Oh my goodness, okay. Mario Diaz, ma'am. What is your favorite memory of Hecklina? <gasps> oh wow! Favorite memory of Hecklina. I mean. <laughs> I have. I mean, there's like, of course, there's watching you eat ass on stage is oh, uh-huh. a really important moment for all of us. <laughs> I feel like it's sort of, you know, a guiding force for the truth and authenticity we all want to live in our lives. So thank you for that. I will, You're I welcome. Can't, you know, You're welcome. you've really welcome. been an inspiration to, to us all in that way. You're welcome. But um, no, I mean, you know, if I think of favorite Heclina memories... I honestly think it's like the simple ones, you know, when you, like you said, we were talking about when you started doing Tranny Shack in LA and I was helping you out a little bit and you'd come stay with me. I mean, just being able to just have quiet time at home with you. I'm, I I know that sounds really cheesy, but yeah, you know, to get to have like lucid, simple moments with people that you're usually camping it up with or on stage with or hamming it up with, or, you know, putting on. Um, So I think, the more low-key moments have been my favorite moments with you, my greatest memories with you. Good answer. Yeah, Good answer. I love you. I love you very much. Uh, I love you too. I do. Um, so, you know, you're, uh, the event schedule on your website says you have nothing scheduled. But people can't. <laughs> Thank you for well, reminding me. But, but people can find out about you. There's your uh, 
Uh, what's going on with Jody Sanchez? Um, you know, we are so funny. We're I'm in production right now on a music video for an unreleased song that I think is going to be really, really cool. Working with my director friend, JB. Um, he's really talented. And so Jackie and Barbo and I are sort of conceptualizing a video for this song that was written. Jackie wrote the lyrics as about, uh, about my sister. May she rest in peace. Um, so the story of this song is really about being able to live out your, uh, how your dreams and your fantasies can be real if you believe them enough. Um, okay. so it's, it's, I know that it's, it's a beautiful song. So I'm very excited about that. And who knows what kind of, if we'll be recording again, but, um, I'm just hoping, and I'm trying to keep hope that we're going to get through this and that on the other side, I will be there ready to deliver some really hot, raunchy, fun punk rock queer nightlife to the children that we are so desperately going to need it. So just trying to keep the hope that on the other side of this, we're going to be able to do what we do and uh, bring people together and entertain them and get on stage. I mean, I also had a big summer plan. We had a lot of summer tramps hosted. I was going to bring back big fat grunt. We were going to do, we had a few shows booked at Casita. So all of a sudden, you know, like this happens and we're all, I think the whole world, you know, we all had a plan and, and the, they all got shut down. Well, yeah, and but you know, I was like, I was like Sherry said in her podca- her podcast with me. I, I'm I'm not one of those people who thinks that this will last forever. It'll it's going to last for a while, and it's going to be a minute before things get back to where they were pre right. uh, pre corona. But they will get back to that. Yeah, but um, but you know, we just have to find some way to, to all get through it. And you know what? The strong, and, and th- these are cliches, but the strong will survive. It's true. You know? It's true. And, you know, whenever whenever there's, uh, any, in times of oppression and struggle, there's always a need for art and connection and celebration afterwards. So, you know, what we do is going to be all the more important on the other side of this. Once people feel safe going out, we're going to be there for them. We're going to be there to eat their asses on stage. <laughs> <laughs> thank you mario diaz thank you darling thank you mark heckle uh, i love you guys um okay you can find me on facebook and instagram at hecklina please be sure to subscribe to the show like us rate us and please tell anybody you can about drag time with hecklina check out our website and create some comments on past episodes you liked and once again thank you so much mario diaz for joining us thank you and uh, don't, don't be sure and check out mario diaz presents.com for some some of my merch, my hot dog stuff, and my BFD and what, stuff. And what are your socials? Uh, Mario Mario Diaz loves you on Instagram at Mario Diaz on Twitter, and yeah, that's about it. All right, thank you so much. Thank you, baby girl. Love you. Love you.